Hey everyone, welcome to Solving Problems with Jonathan and Kyler, where we talk about the real communication problems your church is facing and give you practical steps to solve them. My name is Jonathan Carone, and today Kyler's not with us, but I am joined by Eric Williams. He is the Marketing and Communications Director at Sagebrush Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, he did one of my favorite episodes we have ever done on here about a year or so ago when we talked about um, teaching series and how to plan those. So. Eric's the guy I always enjoy talking to. Eric, can you tell the people hello? Hey, hello, everybody. I'm glad that we are uh, able to do this socially distanced by about a thousand, uh, thousand miles away. <laughs> uh, so I reached out to Eric the other day when things started hitting the fan, and I said, Eric, what do you want to talk about? Because I like your opinion. I like your perspective. How can you help people? Because Eric is like, he's in the trenches. I'm not in the trenches. Kyler's not in the trenches. Eric's in the uh, in the trenches. And the thing he wrote back was, I feel like my spiritual gift is swerving <laughs> haters with love. Well, so yeah. today we are talking about how do we talk to the people who think we are overreacting? And uh, this is going to go out on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, many people are probably already starting to think, hey, we're not going to have Easter services. Um, so when that gets announced, there might be some people who don't love that idea. So today is all about how do we talk to those people and uh, do that with love in a way that is respectful of their opinion, but also lets them know what we're talking about. Cause I know Eric, you were telling me a minute ago, uh, you've had some people already starting to push back with you guys about canceling. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everybody has gone through the wave. I mean, think about it. It's been about, by the time people listen to this, I would say over the last week, this thing has progressed uh, exponentially, right? So as of Monday or Tuesday last week, it was no big deal. Wednesday for us, we we started making plans to say, hey, we're going to have church because, you know, in our area, nobody had really gotten sick. There was, you know, no cases. We're going to start making plans to have church. Everything's going to be fine, but we're going to up all of our um, all of our hygiene things. You know, no no handshakes at the front. No saying hi to your neighbor during the service. Which hallelujah for me, an introvert, uh, just hate that section. But but anyway, and then then Wednesday night, our governor, you know, released some some new restrictions, and I was like, oh oh shoot. And then Thursday the governor said schools are canceled. It was like, oh shoot, you know? So now you start to, in the course of two or three days, your position completely changes. And the general public hadn't caught up with our leadership's you know, ideas because they're just processing this first, right? The governor releases something. Now we're trying to process it. Then the general public. So we released a statement Thursday night, Friday, just saying, "Hey, we we have made the decision, um, you know, after a lot of prayer and consideration, to move our services online." And because of that, there's this, you know, again, people need time to process the information. So we have people online that were blasting us for not having faith, that were saying things like, uh, um, don't you believe that you're covered by the power of, uh, or the, the blood of Jesus? And what happened to laying hands on the sick, which I'm thinking like, that's exactly the opposite of what we need to be doing right now. But, but you know, those sorts of things. And so we're being, we're being blasted on that side. Now, contrast that with two days earlier, we were being blasted for staying open. So this is this is a PR. Uh, it's like a PR quagmire. Like you just cannot win either way because those who are on the we'll call them more traditionally conservative maybe in the church world are like no we are open and we are meeting regardless of anything. Throw in throw in too 
that you've got government officials telling, kind of telling us what to do, which for most Americans, especially most Americans, you know, red-blooded Americans, so to speak, to say America, like that just doesn't go well. You're not telling me not to go to church. Then on the other side, you've got the people who, um, you know, either have done some more research or maybe they're in the in the sectors or they're more uh, susceptible to, su- to some of these things and more sensitive. And they're thinking it is completely irresponsible for a church of 15,000 people on the weekend to have, you know, have mass gatherings when our, our services are a thousand people, right? And so the, we're getting these messages on both sides and that creates quite uh, an issue and it can be complicated for uh, communicators or lead pastors, anybody to try and respond to. And so when we, the hard part is most of the people who are complaining are not doing it privately. They're not <laughs> yes, reaching right. out through email or text message with leaders and asking, <laughs> hey, what's going on? Right. They are going on to Facebook or other places and saying, well, doesn't Hebrews 10, 25 say we don't neglect the gathering and all the, all these things. And I read it in that accent, by the way, when I hear that, that's the accent. I read. <laughs> I just think of it that way. <laughs> I mean, that's, the, that's the accent of everyone around where I live. Um, so, I mean, we've, and we, you combat that with, or combine that with, there've been some churches that have, um, I'll go and say, it, have arrogantly defied what's going on and government officials say, no, we will be meeting. We are not scared. And so there's this tension going on, even in the church world of what should we be doing? How should we be saying it? Should we cancel? Should we not cancel? Should we listen to the authority? Should we not? Uh, Which that seems ridiculous to me. But Eric, how are you talking to and how would you suggest other churches, especially your smaller churches who may, may only have a hundred people on the weekend or a couple hundred people per service. How would you suggest they speak to the people in their community who might disagree? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say the first thing for me um, in particular is I'm glad I'm not the lead pastor. I'm glad I'm not on the executive team. For those of you listening that, um, you know, you are the communications person, maybe you're the, the, the administrative assistant who also does social media, or you're just the person that's got to write some emails or respond. If you're the lead pastor, you're part of the decision-making team, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not going to talk about the decision. Let's assume the decision's already made for this for the sake of argument. Then the best thing you can do is as, as the communicator is separate out uh, the decision from how you're going to communicate, right? So no matter how I feel about whatever the decision is, I need to work that out before I start responding to people because that helps me remove myself emotionally from the situation. That way I'm not trying to defend the decision that I made. So lead pastor, I would suggest if you've got a good writer on staff or you've got somebody that can can help you out, maybe you separate yourself out from those communications because these responses are going to seem deeply personal, even to the best of us, because you made the decision or you were part of the team that made the decision. And so coming up with a lot of the responses is going to be tough. Now, yes and amen, you should be the one that that is communicating, you know, the lead pastor in the times of, of these crises and things like that. If you're on video, uh, if it's an email, it should be signed by you or the leadership team or include some piece of you. Yes. But communication team-wise, you separate that out. And really what I would do, the first question I would ask in order to serve the church that you work for the, or the organization you work for, because this could apply to any nonprofit or, you know, really anybody communicating these decisions is ask for, give me like, hey, what is the value behind why we made the decision, right? What, what's the main reason? 
and what what is the reason that aligns with um, our vision and our values as a church? So again, it's no secret you're a story brand guy. I'm a story brand guy. Shout out to story brand. I've used this this framework to help me formulate um, these responses. So I think about what is our product or our service, and I say like, okay, so we provide help and hope to people in our communities. Right. I think about that. I think about some of the other pieces that are connected and then really dig back to how does this decision um, actually help us with our product or service? How does it back up what we do as an organization? And so if we really want to provide help for the community and hope for people, then in this case, the decision was made that we're going online. So we're still going to reach out with that, that spiritual hope that everybody needs. And, and we're going to even ramp up. So we're going to talk about what we're giving them. We're even going to ramp up a lot of the, uh, the things that we're communicating online. But in order to do the best we can, again, again, the decision was we're going to cancel. In order to do the best we can to help the people in our communities, that means we can shut down one of the largest gatherings of people in the state. That's number one. Number two is we can help make sure that we are supporting the first responders, the medical staff, the hospitals, all of that that are working to, to combat the problem. That's, that's number two. And number three, we can, re, we can pool our resources to get ready to serve if and when the need is there. And so when we get to a chance to go, those are the reasons why that match our vision and our values. We're not pointing the finger and going, well, the governor told me to, or Trump came out and said this or whatever. It's like, okay, we're going to get on board and we're not going to, we're not going to point fingers. We're not going to deflect the decision. We're going to take ownership for this decision. We made a decision, not out of fear, not out of compulsion, but because we wanted to be extremely faithful and unified for the community and the purposes that we have as a church. I think that last piece that you said, I mean, the whole thing was great, but the last piece I want to hit on because I've seen this a couple places. Um, when you're studying leadership, especially before you are a senior leader, if you're in middle leadership, like most of us are, um, one of the things we hear all the time and we're taught is don't say, well, I'm doing this because I was told to. I, that's not a way to support your leaders. That's not a way to... Uh, bring confidence and confidence to the people you're talking to. You have to own the decision your leaders make. And uh, one of the things I have seen, um, I am a Liberty grad. So you can imagine that uh, given some things that were going on up there, if you've been following that, um, my text messages have been interesting. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that when they finally canceled school, what, what they said was, um, because the governor made this decision, we had no choice but to cancel. And when you say things like that, you open yourself, you open the door for people to get upset and frustrated with the government or with someone else. Instead of rallying behind a cause, we want to respect our the people around us. We want to care for the elderly in our community. We want to do whatever the leading factor was in why you did it. Um, instead of rallying around that, they just get mad at the government or they get mad at local officials. And that does nobody any good at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy and cheap. It's like, if you're a comedian, you know, there's a way to get a cheap laugh, right. Or, or if you're preaching a sermon, there's a way to get like a cheap amen. If you, you know, going to throw out one of those one-liners, this is a really cheap way to get people on your side, but it's not going to last long. So if you rally around a common enemy, um, first of all, I think that's kind of immoral and trashy of you, but second of all, like that's going to be a cheap way to get people on your side. 
because you're just, it's not going to last long because what happens if the governor changes their mind or what happens then if you have to make a decision that goes against the thing? Now you're going back on your own word as opposed to sticking to your values, sticking to, um, you know, your principles and sticking to the really reasons that you have. And it's a better look for you in the long run if you own up to something and have total accountability for those things, whether it's, and I'm talking corporately as a church, but that also applies individually. So for me, I can't throw anybody else under the bus. I can't throw anybody, even if I disagree with the decision, I'm not going to go, well, you know, I wouldn't do it, but we are blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't help. And even if you disagree with what the local officials are saying or governmental officials for your state or federal level, even if you disagree with that and you want to say that is the, we would be meeting had they not said that, is it more, is it better long-term to rally your church around being pissed off at the government or to rally your church around loving and caring for your community, regardless of what your personal feeling is? Because I understand there are plenty of people who don't think this is as big of a deal as it as others do, that we shouldn't be doing these things. There's room to disagree, and I am okay with us disagreeing. I am about as middle of the road politically as you can get. But when we think church strategy and church communications, let's rally our people around something positive and something that points to the gospel instead of around anger and disagreement. Yeah. And that's why it's important to have somebody in the room, whether that's you, like, like for me, that's what I try to pride myself on is I'm going to separate myself emotionally from the decision. You know, I love, I love being a ghostwriter because then I'm not, I'm not personally emotionally involved in it. So even if you're going, man, the governor is really going to just screw our church. And now we're not going to be able to meet publicly. And you're starting to think about the budget and you're starting to think about this. And then you start to get this righteous indignant indignation about the government, not being able to tell churches what to do. At some point, you got to take a deep breath and go and like, ask somebody who's not involved in the situation go like, is this really going against the gospel? No, probably not. Is this really government tyranny? No, probably not. Let's save our our anger and our righteous anger for when it's really government tyranny or something is egregious against the gospel and you have those sorts of issues. But moving your church services online in order to help save the immunocompromised community and many of our parents and grandparents is probably not the hill you want to die on in this fight. Another thing to think about as you talk through this There are those in your church, and they are usually the older crowd, who if the doors are open, they feel a moral obligation to show up. Um, My mother-in-law goes to a church that probably has less than 100 people on the weekend, but probably 75 to 85% of the people are above the age of 60. And she was, they still had church uh, this past weekend. And because at the time the, it was over 150 or something like that. So under 150, you could still meet. Um, so they still had church and she was on the phone with one of her friends and asking her if she was going to go and she didn't want to go to church. She wasn't a hundred percent comfortable, but she was a Sunday school teacher. Oh, so she yeah. felt like she um, had to go. So as you're making these announcements, think about those people as well. 
Yeah, and there's an that's the thing is there's an outlet for this. Like you can achieve what you want to do in different ways. And so if you feel like this is not this is not what you hear about people loving the leper colonies or anything else like that because like nobody else was going to serve them. That's great. Like if you have a population where nobody else is going to serve them and you need to do a mobile meals ministry, find the safest way to make it happen during this time. But being a Sunday school teacher and God bless her for doing that. Like, can you call some of your kids and their parents? Can you, you know, handwrite them some stuff and mail them or email, you know, if there's a different way to do ministry, then I think we have to really think through, are we, uh, are we sold out for our methods of doing ministry or are we actually sold out for the impact that we're making? Because I think a lot of us are making these decisions because we can't see over our own methods or we're scared of it instead of saying, what's a different way we can reach people, uh, whether it's digitally or pick up the dang phone and call someone if you have a church of less than 100. Yeah, I I said this quote on here multiple times, um, and it's one of the driving factors of how I do ministry. And it's that it's I heard it in seminary. Uh, methods are many, principles are few, methods may change, principles n- never do. And so in the context that we're talking about in this episode of communicating these decisions, the principles are that Jesus called us to love people, Jesus called us to care for people. And the way we do that, given the situation we are now, is by changing our methods. Yep. And have a long-term view of this too. And I know we're going back into the decision thing, which is like not really where I want to, but have a long-term view and say, uh, of, let's assume this is going to blow over and eventually everything is going to be back to normal. You're going to be opening your doors. Do you want to be seen as the organization um, that begrudgingly held firm to some you know, ideal of, of your methods? Or do you want to be seen as an organization that followed the principles? And really, non-church people are looking at this and non-church people who are already saying, hey, I'm going to stay inside and I'm going to social distance. They're looking at your church staying open as a threat. And so that's like, how, how much worse can you be seen to the people you're trying to reach the most? Uh, this is not to toot my own horn, but I, I made a Facebook post on Sunday talking about um, that story came out in Reuters about the one person in South Korea who went to church into a buffet. So went to church, went and went to Golden Corral yes. afterwards and <laughs> got a thousand people sick. I mean, as and you do when you go to church, the church and the buffet, I mean, let's be honest. You, you have to. Right. Um, and that post has gotten more likes and shares than anything I've posted in the last year, because I thanked the churches who, did what I said, did the right thing. That That's my personal opinion. I did the right thing of closing and uh, did church online. And so a lot of the reaction I went through and look, it's a lot of people who don't go to church who are looking in from the outside. So I think what you just said, and I, I want to leave on this, when this blows over, when this is all done, do you want your church to be known as the church that loved and cared for people or the church that kept pushing its agenda? Yeah. And I do do think that that has a lot to do with how you respond directly to people who are on your Facebook page or emailing you as well. And that's, that's really where I think the secret sauce is in the practical way to respond to people is using that empathy, really asking yourself, what do they want? Where are they coming from? Because that person who's saying, man, we, we should not give in to fear. There's probably part of them that's afraid of something. And so rather than getting defensive and and publicly showing that your church attacks haters or deletes comments, like 
that's not a good look in the long run either. But if you can really dig down and take some time and some empathy with the people who are publicly commenting or privately, and, and, and like I just asked myself, okay, what is it that they want? Where can we agree, right? Where can we agree? So if someone says to you, we shouldn't be closing the, we shouldn't be closing the doors because we shouldn't be denying the opportunity to meet together as a church. I would start with, I totally agree. Like if you said that to me, I go, Jonathan, I totally agree. I think we can both agree that, and then, you know, say where you agree. I think that we agree that meeting together for the sake of the gospel and encouraging one another is vitally important. Then you can give them your stance and say, as a church, we also agree that it's important for us to show unity towards the population that is the most prone to this or, you know, the medical professionals. That's why, and then you cast your vision, that's why we've decided to move all of our gatherings online. So you're still giving them a solution to that ultimate problem. If we can agree that the ultimate problem is we should be meeting together as believers and you can point them to the vision and the way, there's a lot less likelihood that they're going to uh, argue that. Now, some people are still going to argue but they're going to look crazy anyway. Don't feel the need to to complain. But responding to people in love with empathy gives you a chance to cast vision for your church. And in the long run, the crowd that's watching you online watches how you handle people who disagree and people who are upset. And I tell communicators all the time, assume they had walked into your, your worship service in the middle of service and started saying the things they're saying. You wouldn't do the same things as, as what you're doing now online. You would lovingly address them and try to usher them into a private conversation. Yep. And if you want to get theological, the way that Paul went into every town was when he went preaching to people who he knew believed differently, he found the places they agreed on first and then presented the gospel to them. So that's just that in general and how we communicate, that's a great way to go about it is to find the where you agree. So to wrap it all up, we, we basically said we want to cast, when we talk to our leaders, we want to ask them what value does this decision reinforce that we have as a church. We want to tell people the truth, but tell them the why. And uh, while understanding that they may disagree with us, we want to keep in mind that the world is watching and how we how we respond to this. And we want to set our church up as a place that when this is all over, people will remember what we did and they'll remember it in a positive way. Awesome. Eric, thanks for taking some time with us today. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to be the last episode for this week. We're going to talk about giving. And I know that's the big elephant in the room right now because a lot of churches are going to have trouble operating over the next few weeks uh, if giving continues to drop. So we'll do an episode on that. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review to this if you have Uh, If this was good for you and it helps share it with someone else, um, we're just trying this week to really be a resource for everyone to help you guys out. But that's it for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.